Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past, and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. All right, welcome to Growing Up Fire, Season 2, Episode 17. I'm here in Chestermere Fire Service's main fire station. These guys hung around and... Uh, Sea Shift's going to do a podcast with me. Austin looking super nervous over there. <laughs> Captain West ready to rock. Got a hat on lock and ready to go. Jeremy's here, the head kitty man. He'll tell us stories about that all the time. The secret stories of running the fire department kitty by Jeremy Vitale. <laughs> and Josh is here. I wish you could see Josh because he has the worst fireman mustache I've ever seen. <laughs> it's growing in, Josh. It'll be okay. It'll be as good as Brent Paquette's one day. One day. It's not yet, but you have something to aspire to. So thanks for hanging around, boys. Thanks for being on the podcast with me. Right? Austin's smiling. He's still not going to say anything. But so let's jump right into it. So these kind of ones that we talk about all things firefighting, right? So let's start. We're going to start with you, Wes. Sounds good. Right? New when and how did you know you wanted to be a firefighter? So mine started early. So mine was always a passion to be fire and it really hit home in high school. And I remember talking to a guidance counselor at the time and it was kind of like, what direction do you want to go? Do you want to go to university? Do you want to do this? And at that time, it was kind of get into a trades because they didn't want to have people coming right out of high school at 18. They didn't want someone to mature, have some experience, everything else. So at that point is where I went into trades, went into I went plumbing background, everything in that direction. was able to kind of travel everything else, and the passion was always there still for firefighting. And when it really hit home was I was doing Big Brother, so I was taking this five-year-old kid out and went to visit a fire hall. And when we went to the fire hall for a visit, he was... In fact, we had a fire, I was too, and it was something once we got to the hall that a bunch of the guys at the hall is to say that they weren't as enthusiastic as we were at that point in time. So then that's something that really hit home where it was like, hey, I like everything about fire. I wanted to get in the fire service and make a change for that. And so that's something that we can talk about or whatever later too. But like, yeah, it's, doing, the, yeah. doing the tours. Yeah. So, so that, that yeah. was something that was like hit home and, and then everything to do with fire has always been there, right? Like everyone else, the fire trucks, the fire itself and what we do. Pyromaniac around the campfire. Yeah, doing a little bit of that. Yeah, the hairspray and everything. Yeah, else. it was that. <laughs> yeah, <it was> coffee's <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we don't want to put all the secrets out there, but. But no, that, so it started, yeah, I'd say the passion was always there and it was just maturing and going through the paces and there was other things that sparked that to get into the service. It's so cool because this week there was so many times that I said to myself, like being a firefighter is the ultimate job. You know, people say whatever. I say we have the best job in the world. And I watched you guys doing some, some different training this week and you even today, right? 40 little girls from the dance academy next door came to the fire hall today to tour around. And I was like, 
what is this nightmare going to look like, right? These poor firefighters got to, you know what? They broke into groups. These little girls had the greatest time around here. We probably sparked some dreams of being a firefighter in some young girls today. And and so that was pretty awesome to me, right? They were in the back of the ambulance. They were talking to the CPOs. They're doing fire, spraying water. And, and so to me, I, I hear what you're saying. If the firefighters aren't into it, right? If it's just like, oh, we have to do another tour, it actually sucks for the kids and you feel it for the adults, you know, versus the folks you were running the aerial the other day and that guy that stopped with his little kid, they stopped the fire all the time. And that little guy was loving it while you guys are bouncing around yeah, doing your training. fire gear and his oh, shirt on and just, everything yeah, else. He's head to toe. And, yeah. and his mom comes down and his dad's has him there and, and they're taking pictures. And so that's a good one. Like to me, that's an awesome responsibility that we have as the fire service is to inspire these people and to show people how much we love this job. And so it does disappoint me if someone's not into it, right? But this week here in Trustmere, I've seen so many people just so excited about that and, and showing this and sharing this job, I guess, with the kids, right? I think you hit it there too. And it's just the other guys at Shift Change there while they're talking about the dance group and stuff too. It sounds like the D-Shift boys were out there dancing with the the, <laughs> the guy, girls out there and stuff too. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any video footage I, of that. I didn't, I didn't go watch because <laughs> yeah. some things you can't erase from your memory. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw a video of Austin dancing today. So <laughs> <laughs> You can't erase that from your memory. It's just in there. So yeah, you don't want to see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Jeremy, you're next. What? Uh, when did you know? What was the time? I'd have to say, well, unlike Weston, Austin coming up here, I didn't really know that young. I, I graduated high school and then I ended up going to school to be a refrigeration air conditioning mechanic. Did that schooling and then I went and got a bunch of on-job hours. I forget how many it was, but I did that for a while and just realized it wasn't the career path I wanted to take. So. I got out of that and I kind of just did a couple odd jobs here and there. And then I said, you know what? I've had an idea of, you know, being a firefighter would be pretty cool. So I ended up going to school in Vermilion, taking the 1001s, coming back. It took me a while to get on. So I was still kind of working part time, doing different jobs. But I ended up getting on with uh, Rocky View um, County. And then my first shift there was just crazy. It was when we were paid on call. I actually had eight hours on call that day. Got like two deaths. In eight um, hours, holy. Yeah, two deaths, big NBCs, massive grass fire. Um, Everyone it wondering came if you're going to come back. hour shift, and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we said the whole day. We don't even have to reel this one in. He jumped in the boat. Yeah, so I was pretty much from there on, I was just like, this is this is what I want to do with my life. So, Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a pretty crazy story, actually. Yeah, it was a crazy shift. It's All right. Bank, so. Mustachio, you're next. No, Josh, what, when did we get you? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, that would have been probably 2015 or so. I was second year university working towards a business degree was my goal. And I always felt lost in a sense. There's something inside of me that knew I wasn't meant to wear a suit. I wasn't meant to be doing what I was doing. I was kind of going through the paces. And I went to Sunshine skiing with a bunch of my buddies. And we had one guy that took a really big spill and ended up getting a concussion and didn't know where he was or what was going on. And one of my buddies that was a Redwood Meadows volunteer, he had been in the fire service, his old man was an old retired CFD captain. And he took charge and he knew exactly what to do. He knew the questions to ask. Everything calmed down once he was there just taking control of the scene. And I thought that was really cool. I was like, you want to be that guy. Like, that's like, what awesome skills. Everyone else around you is looking up to this guy that's taking care of people around you. 
And so the whole way back, I'm just asking him questions about what do you do? What's a day in the life of, of, a, of a fireman? He How started telling me about job, the training <laughs> and this and that. Well, I pulled into my driveway and it was one of those moments where you kind of those life defining moments. I shut my car off. It was like minus 20 out and dead silence. And I was just thinking about my life. And for the first time, I pictured myself being a fireman. And I knew from that moment, clearer than anything else in my life leading up to that, that I knew what I wanted to do and pulled out from school the next day and instantly looked up courses I had to take and, and just started working towards it. It was one of those cool nice. life-defining moments, wow. but uh, very clear. It's that incident good. cost the university your eight grand that year. It did. Holy yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one, though. I mean, those kinds of things. I often say when you take the training that we take and do the things that we do, right? Do you want to be the one that knows or do you want to be the one crying in the corner, right? And so, like, first aid and medical, that's the same sort of thing. You know, you show up at a car accident and someone says, I'm off-duty firefighter. You're like, yeah, you are, right? Yeah. You could totally help us do this, do that. Versus, I'm a doctor. You're like, oh, no, yeah, great. Me. This is going to be – now I'm this guy's nurse, right? But uh, <laughs> it's funny how those events kind of can clench you, right? That's awesome. All right, Austin, it's all you. You were born for this. Buckle up. You're growing up fire. <laughs> you're, you're the guy. Yeah, yeah. It hit me at quite, uh, quite a young age. You know, a typical kid, always obsessed with bulldozers and big red shiny trucks with lights on it and stuff like that. And it's kind of always, I've always attached myself to it. And it wasn't until my old man joined the volunteer fire department in Chestermere back in the day. I think it was like 1998, maybe 99. I'm not too sure, but it was pretty cool to go there. They had a barbecue and they're handing out shirts and stuff like that. And right then and there, I just knew that I was part of something. I was just looking at all the guys, how they interacted, the family, the camaraderie behind it, the laughs, the jokes. And it really spun off when dad came home with the radio that night and you know, you hear the tones go off and you hear the dispatch and he's up and out the door and I'm trying to follow him and stuff like that. And it just kind of grew on me. Yeah. Pretty soon he actually started taking me two pages to the fire station there and you like get there and like you see everybody else coming into the parking lot and everybody's getting dressed in their bunker gear and like adrenaline's really high and like you're hearing updates and stuff like that. And you just, just this kid seven, eight years old, just taking this all in. And then, boom, you just see him go out the door, and it's just like, wow. Just wow. It's like a scene from Backdraft. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> I've wrapped myself around every fire movie you can ever possibly think of, and it just it just added to that. And If you don't know what scene I'm talking about, turn off this podcast. It's not for you. <laughs> and how many fi- how, when you talk about where it started young, how many fire trucks did you have? This is one that's kind of funny. Oh, boy. You know, like any matchbox, any die cast. I had a massive collection of fire trucks. Me and another buddy through the years, we always – we actually got to the point where – we took masking tape and we built an entire city of masking tape of streets in our bedroom there. And we would have strategically placed fire stations and you'd have your Hot Wheels and, you'd, you know, just like. We need to move the, to that town, right? Like 42 <laughs> fire stations yeah. for 68 cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. We had like street names mapped out whole nine yards and like we had the tones going and yeah, just. Yeah. You're doing your cue siren. You want to do your cue siren uh, most, for everybody? Most yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe we'll talk them into that I'd later. Like to, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to. You've, you've heard it. Like, like when the tones go off at 11 at night, and he's like doing the cue siren all the way down the stairs. Uh, yeah, puts himself to bed at night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's his background noise to fall asleep. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's so funny, like the path that takes us to being a firefighter, and it's so different for everybody. And then, in a way, so the same. Mine was a little different. I got drunk and said yes to go to fire practice, but the uh, <laughs> <laughs> story of my life, right? But you know, it's different. And, and I think if you think back into your childhood, right? People are, we do get them to like the fire service through the tours, through stopping in at the school, through the, you know, even for you, Josh, like it happened on that moment, not that ski hill. But if you think back, there's probably other things that happened in your life that kind of led your brain to be ready for being in the fire service, right? Okay, so now we know how you got here. Jeremy jumped ahead and, and talked about his first shift, which was that's a lot to take in on your first shift. Josh, I remember that your first few shifts were similar to that. Was a, you want to talk about that a little bit? I was green being in a fire hall. You know, a lot of guys have had volunteer experience and this and that. And like when I started, my first shift was truly my first shift as a full-time fireman ever being in a hall. And my first call of my first shift, I was in the back with Austin. And we were going to uh, cardiac arrest and Austin looks over at me. He's like, all right, so you remember what to do for, for this <laughs> from your training and EMR? And I, I was probably pale as a ghost back there <laughs> trying to act calm, like, yeah. like everything was, was okay. Me. I remember everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and we showed up and it was a, a young boy and unfortunately came home from school and found his mom upstairs in the bedroom. And it was a very shocking call for me. You don't expect to be thrust into that on your first day you know it's, it's not one of the the calls that you kind of expect you know the classic you know a 90 year old something like that something bad happens to them you can wrap your head around that but this was a young kid he was maybe 14 or so 13 and we saw the first few moments of him realizing that he had lost his mom he didn't have a mom anymore it was a really stark shocking call for me and then you come back from it and life just kind of goes back to normal at the hall. And, you know, everyone's obviously dealing with their own for way every, and for everybody for else, else yeah, right? And I'm right, sitting yeah. there and I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is still in my mind. I remember going home that day, just, I don't even remember the drive home. I just remember showing back at home. I, I saw my mom, I gave her a big hug. I, I, you know, I might've teared up a bit and just, I was just, it was a very, very intense first day. But that first day turned into one of the craziest first months. I mean, we had multiple codes we had major mvcs on the highway and i was like i don't know if i could do this like this is crazy <laughs> this remember, is actually yeah. insane like how do you, how are you guys doing this how, even how the are you seasoned your vets sanity? are getting worried oh, right oh, now oh yeah. man i, like, how I do remember you keep josh coming to us after this and he's like he like i had this thought he's like he goes like you guys are absolutely effed in the yeah. brain you guys are, <laughs> you guys are mess. like you guys are completely yeah. mess. <laughs> It, it was a lot. I'm of going in, back to university. Intense high, yeah, <laughs> intense high cutie calls and yeah. you know what I mean? He, he went through a lot in that. Well, Wes gave me some of the best advice when I first started. He said two things. He said, one, the good calls are going to outweigh the bad. And you have to remember that. Or, or, you know, you, you go over your whole career. By a large number, the good calls are going to outweigh the bad. And then the second piece of advice is he said, you have to remember that these things are happening whether you're there or not. Mm -hmm. Whether you're doing this job or not. All these things are still happening. Yeah, you didn't you, cause it. You right? didn't cause it. You're here to make a difference, though. You're here to show up and do what you can to make a difference in other people's lives. So remember that. It's not changing whether you're here or not. It helps put things into the perspective in the right way. But And things were going to get better, statistically. And, and then they did. <laughs> so yeah. They did. Yeah. 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 After three months. Next month shouldn't <laughs> suck as much as this one. But you, you, knew, you knew right away that, this, yeah. that uh, I could handle the job. 
after going through that first month. And it was kind of good to get those out of the way and find some coping mechanisms, some healthy coping mechanisms right off the bat. I, I always find it so unreal to remember that like as a seasoned vet that you're you're not just walking over those calls, right? That new people are like shocked because of all the things that happen and you're using your dark humor coping mechanism and telling jokes and or going away by yourself and being quiet however you deal with it but the new guy they don't have any coping mechanisms right they're like looking around to see everyone else like okay that guy's telling jokes that are no good and that guy's hiding in the corner by himself and that guy's go put mothers on the tire of the truck for the 12th time today and so it's one of my first codes right we're running this code well you know it's just chaos in a code Right. You know, just stuff everywhere, high emotions. And I look over and there's a cat and it's just sitting on the corner of the bed and it's just it's just chilling out. It's grooming itself. It's just licking its paws. And then Wes looks at me and I, again, I'm pretty new and I, I'm just looking around. And Wes looks at me. He goes, this is why I hate cats. <laughs> cats plotting on the dog would not be doing that. Like the cats just like this. It's owners on the floor working this guy. And then yeah. this cat's just like, I could care less. Yeah. Cats really licking like, its ball so wondering, yeah. like, who's going to feed me now? Yeah. I don't know much. Cats. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jeremy, you talked a little bit about yours. That, so that was your first day, your first 24-hour Pretty much whatever, the same as Josh. Hours. Yeah, it was uh, jumped right into the swing of things pretty quick. I think we had a head-on collision with two black patients. Another MVC where someone did a deer, got a big grass fire, and then like two medicals. And yeah, I was like eight hours on calls that day. And it was the same with Josh. I got home that night and I was like, this is crazy, but you know, I know I could do this now. This is pretty cool. Like I kind of felt like I made yeah, a difference. It shouldn't get worse than this. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you're pretty much like, this is, this has got to be like the worst that can happen pretty much now. So after that, it kind of toned down for a little while, but like, it was just crazy to actually, like actually have it like compile all into that one first day. It was just like. I don't know, it was just like a sign of like showing you like you can kind of do this, yeah. you know, just to kind of prepare you for the rest of your career. But I don't know. It's kind of weird that it's happened to both of us. So. Yeah. Well, and we're not done yet. Maybe these guys had the same. I don't know. Wes, what was your first few calls like? Do you remember what it was like? Or? I remember my exact first call. So got hired as a casual firefighter off the get-go, and I was just making my rounds to all the halls. Like we hadn't had any scheduled shifts or anything yet, so I was just introducing, checking out the halls, walking into them. So I walk into a specific hall and just sitting with the guys and we're talking and they're just kind of getting to know them, getting to know me. And we're in there and then someone calls and they just from the hall and said that they couldn't show up for a shift the next day. And a beauty of a captain just says, hey, we weren't, we weren't supposed to start for another couple of months. He's like, you're here. You're making an effort. Do you want to come work the shift tomorrow? I'm like, we have no issued uniform, no nothing, anything. This time I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll come here and work tomorrow. He's like, all right. So he's like, you just need to get a black shirt, blue pants, a belt, you know, like the, the firefighter stuff. And. And I was still doing construction. He's like, and steel toe boots, but like can't be yeah. all beat to, and they're not, not obviously the awesome ones. style. Yeah. I had to find boots that were like oh. polished and ready <laughs> oh, to go. No, but uh, so so then I was in my head. I'm like, oh man, and I'm gonna age myself here. So right from there, I'm heading right to Zellers, and I go to Zellers. Uh, <laughs> pick up Zellers. Zellers at the time. Yeah. <laughs> did you go to the Zellers cafeteria first to get <laughs> no, some? Oh yeah, I, I, they did oh. have the cafeteria, but I didn't. <laughs> Best food they on were, earth. Oh, Come it was on. a great breakfast there. I, I, I liked it there. <laughs> so I, I pick up all the gear, everything else, and true fashion, next day I show up. The guys were all really nice, but nice to the point of, like, they're, like, 24-hour shifts, right? They're like, okay, we'll get you your stuff, get your room, get everything all sorted out, get the bunker gear, everything like that. And they're like, by the way, you're driving. You're going to be on tender. I'm like, oh, awesome. Okay, cool. Like, still, so this is I'm green, too, right? Like, I haven't really gone through everything, not the formal training. 
And of course, they send me off to the the big dorm room at the end of the hall with the TV in it and stuff. Just to, and we all know whose dorm that was. So sure as shit, put my stuff in there and everything else. And captain came up and said, "Whose stuff is in my dorm here?" So I had to move all that stuff well out. Played. Yeah, well played. Yeah, it was well played. But, uh, born every minute. Yeah, and then so <laughs> then yeah, so then all of a sudden uh, the tones go off and it's for the tender for a structure fire. And they're like, "All right, you're up. Take this tender and get going." So. At this point, so since it's in the county, as I hadn't gone over a lot of mapping, the radios, the trucks, everything else, but it was like, that was do or die at that moment. It was hop in, get going. Did it go flawlessly? No, I was lost. I was on the side of the road, remapping. The radio fell bes- beside the passenger seat, trying to figure out the radio, trying to pull the map out and get going. But that was one of the first calls where it's like, this is the reality. This is what you're doing. And it's just like, and departments where there's not enough guys and not enough training, not enough a lot of things right so that was one of the ones right off the hop there was just going to the going. call and it was just trying to show up to this call and figure it out and didn't know what you're doing but anyhow yeah so that was one of the calls there and then i think one of the other second calls would be coming t- into chestermere here too so then that would be on the highway too so it was a, a big mvc and getting used to that too so that was two great big calls kind of like josh there too, get thrown into it and then all the other ones, the medicals and stuff too, you know, where you're sitting in the truck and getting to know guys and they're like, what's your medical background? You're like, oh, EMR, ACP, uh, good, you can run this call. You're like, awesome. Right <laughs> into it. So yeah. there was a lot of getting thrown right into it would be it and to yeah. see where you're, how you do and what you do on the call. So. Nice. Austin, what do you got? Oh boy. Well, when I was, like I said, a young kid, just kind of kick around the hall there. And it's like yesterday. Like, yeah. <laughs> something like that yeah i know it was tough as a kid because like you know with liability and stuff like that you couldn't really jump on the truck and go anywhere you always get left behind but you'd always have the i'd have a broom ready with a bucket of water and stuff like that especially if it was like a fire or something like that and like there's hose that need to be cleaned so i was just waiting for my chance i was just getting i was just waiting for that nod from my captain or anybody to be like can i come can i come like i had my own little big puppy dog eyes and, yeah and, exactly yeah. and it just yeah i just kept getting kicked over the years and then when chester went full-time with rocky Bay county i think it was uh 2007 brought a whole bunch of new guys in and i met one guy and he was from six and he started talking about it i overheard like some of the conversations and then i kind of asked him about it and he's just like oh yeah like this is there and that's there and that's happening and stuff like that. It's just like, well, he's like, well, do you want to come up for a ride along with it? And I was like 13, 14 at this time. I was just like, uh, yes. <laughs> Dad kind of looked at me and he's just like, mm, all right. So, yeah, I went out that morning. And I was so nervous. I had my bunker all set up and stuff like that. I got to the hall, met some of the guys, but like very briefly. And they were just talking about roles and expectations and this is and that sort of else. And then all of a sudden the tones dropped and it was for, it was for a fire. And my gear was an absolute yard sale, just trying to get all my stuff on. And then I get placed in the engine with a guy I didn't even get to say hi to. And man, that was a quiet ride, but wow. I saw the column of smoke and I was just He's just like, yeah, try and pull a line off here. And like, yeah, as soon as he got on scene, the grass fire was coming right towards us. And I was like rolling over a line and I fell over myself because I was just so excited and just trying to spray water and this and that. And there's guys running around and fire came towards the fire truck and told me to jump on the deck gun. And then, I don't know, he just got overcome by smoke and be like, wow. Well, this is going to be short lived because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to choke right now. And that turned into uh, 24 hours of a straight firefight. 
And just when we cleared up at, I got there at eight o'clock in the morning, cleared up at nine o'clock at night, just heading back. And then the tones drop again for another fire on the other side of the nation. And you could just see the glow in the sky. It's pretty crazy. You say you were 13. Yeah, thir- 13 or 14. Yeah, I didn't even have my driver's license, like, yeah. and I was going out for 24 hours. It so was like, different back then, and yeah. and different different places, right? Sometimes it's it was probably supposed to be a ride along, all right, and then it turns into hey, all hands on deck, and then gets tricky for sure. But yeah, so I mean, all of those experiences, as bad as they can be, deaths and things like that, and bad car accidents, it actually draws you into the right. It goes back to that comment of, do you want to be the one that knows how to help, or do mm-hmm. you want to be the one that's asking for help? Right. For me, I always like to be the person that's on the other end of nine one one. We're we're coming to help. We didn't cause the emergency. It's not our emergency, but we're going to come and help take care of it. And so, that part's pretty fun, in my opinion. Right. It's just my opinion. This is the best job in the world. I had lots of jobs. I know lots of people that have lots of other jobs. And I always say we got the golden ticket. We're on the best ride that there is at the park. We're going round and round. And so we're lucky. That being said, there's always things, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? Those things that you really love about the job. And then the things that you wish weren't part of the job. And so we're going to start with that. We'll start over here with Austin, but we'll start with the ugly pieces or the, you know, the pieces that you wish would change for the fire service. That's a tough one. Yeah, I see smoke coming out of your ears. So yeah, I'm, my brain's working over time. Yeah, right yeah. Do you want me to go to the captain? Make the captain? Yeah. Crunch time. Crunch Come time. Come on, Cap. Crunch time, Cap. Things, yeah, oh, I'm fine with that. There's like, <laughs> there's a lot of frustrations within it, right? Like you said, there's a lot of good within it. But like we've said in the past is we try and do so much with a little bit of manpower, mm-hmm. or a little bit of, we don't have a lot of resources and everything else. So then it's ingrained into us to make things work or make things happen with what we have. And to look at the bigger picture we, it's hard to do that. You just try and problem solve. And that's one of the best things is problem solving. But you do it with limited resources, limited help, limited things. And you just want to have the best outcome that there possibly can be with that. And I think as smaller departments, I don't think the residents and everyone understand that drastic effect to it. Yeah, we have great training. We have everything that we can and great guys And within that retrospect. But I think that would be one of the pitfalls is, is staffing and manpower. So, I mean, I think this shift in particular, we got a pretty good bond. And sadly for you, you weren't at that call. Or maybe happy for you, you weren't at that call. Yeah, but, well. You know, in the north part of the city, you guys had a call and I got called back. So I come in to help you out and got there and there's just a massive house on fire. There's a bunch of people trapped inside that ended up not making it. And four people are trying to fight this 3,500 square foot house fire. And that was the first time I really noticed, like, wow, you're not in Oz anymore, bud. This is a whole new, there's four <laughs> career firefighters here that are trying to run this whole thing by themselves. You're running two trucks. Josh, I think if my memory serves right, it was your first big massive house fire where you're running the pump. And yeah. and so I walk up and uh, Paul was there. So, you know, what can I do to help you? You could take over. So we actually could have four firefighters instead of a boss and three firefighters. And I was like, okay, right. And just everybody's out there doing the best they can, but you just see how you're, outmatched by the fire you just don't have enough people you don't have enough trucks you don't have enough resources and none are coming really anytime soon and so you know that fire in particular was one where i got to see a massive fire fought with some of the least amount of resources i've ever seen but it didn't deter anyone right everyone knew the game plan everyone was crushing it as far as getting the fire out but it was it was an eye-opener for me to see that staffing and what a difference that it makes right to that point i guess i was used to house fire has 
10, 12, 15 firefighters and more on the way. And that's just not a thing here, right? So I've really watched over the last year how you guys do that, right? How you've had to change your tactics and change your strategy and how you operate the equipment. You have an aerial that you use platform aerial that you use like everyone else would use a deck gun like you guys are so proficient with it you could just fly the aerial and and hook up and and so those kinds of things are like that comes from that that staffing model and and seeing that stuff doing more with less i guess Mm -hmm. and so that's been a real eye-opener to to work with you guys how about you jeremy what are the ugly parts what do you wish we could do better I don't know if i have a whole lot i mean one of them is obviously staffing just because of the short manpower for these massive calls we go to and show up with the small amount of people but it would change a whole lot for, for me in Chestermere, i always think of like how fast it grows and, and the potential for danger and the right and so some of those ugly pieces that i hate around here are the the entrances onto the trans canada highway you see the accidents that happen there you know like we're looking at a wall where one of the firefighters from here passed away at one of those entrances and so just that sickening potential of catastrophic car accidents i always think is an ugly piece around here where it's you get a car accident on highway one and the first thing that pops to your mind is those catastrophic big mvas that happen right so all right let's switch gears let's get to the good stuff what's the (laughs) right what's the josh let's start with you like what's the what's the best parts of this job why why do you love this job because it's not a job. It doesn't feel like work. <laughs> <laughs> like, the older I get, the hey, more... Hey, someone from HR might be listening to this, okay, Josh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He still has to qualify as a job. <laughs> a job. And just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the older I get, as I see my, you know, you do different friends and people you know and this and that, and you hear them talk about their line of work and how they dread their Mondays, and you start to realize that I don't have a Monday. I don't dread my first day of my tour. I'm actually excited to go back and see the boys and hear about what they did on their days off and what are we going to have this tour? Are we going to have some good calls? What's going to happen? We get to get some workouts in. We get to help people. It's not work in the classic sense. It's it's like a duty. It's a sense of it's a sense of meaning to your life. And so you actually think of it as a pro as opposed to something that you have to do. It's like I get to do this, not I have to do this. Yeah, well said. And uh, it's the, it really truly is the greatest job in the world you could ask for us you should run a podcast that's pretty inspiring acres emergency vehicles a message from our community a person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an acres emergency vehicle this is our mission to thank these people with the best gift we can our best effort Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres Emergency Vehicles, built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. All right, Austin, we're back to you. This time you don't get a pass. You're going to tell us what you love about this job. Yeah, I think the fact of being a role model too. We talked about having kids come through the hall and stuff like that, or even just some of the families, like when we're out training and stuff, that you look and you see the kids and they're just, their eyes are just wide and they just look at you and they look at that truck and just the, the amount of pride and like, I want to be like that one day is pretty cool. 
I also like the fact that with the short staffing and stuff like that, it also kind of puts your head on a swivel and like you're like the jack of all trades, especially with smaller services. You're out doing water rescue one time then you're doing ice and then you're doing fires. And like now we have the whole county urban side of things, too. So you're out doing a grass fire and then you're back in town for a house fire. And I think encompassing all of that, it's like the Swiss Army knife. And I think that's pretty neat to be a part of. And yeah, just like when you see a fire truck kind of go down or any I guess emergency services, like, you know, at the end of the day, someone's having the worst day of their life. We're going to circle back to that. Because oh. I think when you walk out into the bays here yeah. in Chestermere, you, you see that it's a, you know, it's got some unique challenges. And so we'll circle back to that. Jeremy, how about you? What drives you? What What do you love about this job? Boss is around in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy, yeah, he's a chef in that kitchen. Okay. He's a, I read the instructions. A, yeah, Must yeah. be a fire hall. Hey, everyone's beacon. No one wants to talk when it's their turn. <laughs> It's the best job in the world, and you're coming in every day, and you're doing something different. You never know what you're going to go to. You never know when the tones are going to drop next and what it's going to be. And the same thing Austin just said, you have to know so many different things, especially here. It's just that aspect of knowing you're serving a community. And just to tie into the last question about what you could probably change, is some of the, some of the citizens and residents of the city don't realize what we do behind closed doors. Like, the training and the truck checks and ensuring all the equipment is like up to date and, and working for that next call that's going to come in. You always hear of people like, oh, you guys just go back and watch movies and yeah. sleep all night. You wonder how many Last people actually think we got recliners all lined up and we're watching oh, yeah. Like, you know, how, how much TV could a firefighter actually watch? Yeah. Like some of these people think we're rocking out a 12 hours of a 14 hour shift watching TV. Like nobody on earth watches TV that yeah, much folks, t- just for the record, right? No. Mm-hmm. We have a TV room here and I can't tell you the last time we were. Well, we actually changed it into a training room. Because nobody watched TV. Yeah, no, that's it's true. Just the, yeah, the public perception of what we do behind closed doors when we're not on these calls. It's fair enough, yeah, that's a true story. It's definitely learning something about this job every single day too. You never stop learning, you never stop learning. It's incredible that way. Just when you think you have it somewhat figured out, it's just like, oh, I was today years old when I figured that one out. Yeah. Or COVID hits or... Yeah. Throw Tyvek suits in there. My favorite was when I got here and you guys were all talking about, well, I don't even know why we, you know, we don't have to do all this training because nobody ever has a problem at the lake. And then that summer, what happened? (laughs) Two people drowned and another person came close to drowning and there was missing people from a boat. And like, it was just like a nonstop water rescue summer, right? And so you just see that as it gets busier, right? How about you, Cap? What do you think? What's your... Yeah, I think all the guys touched on the the other ones, right? There's that that growth and tradition here and us taking over from that. That's a great thing here. There's the sense of purpose coming in every day, right? Those... It's sometimes, like I say, too, it's just like when you get back to vac- from vacation, it's just like when you walk in that door, those tones are dropping and you're right back into it. There is no easing in as your Monday. This isn't like, you know, I got to go check my emails, do this. It's you're right into it. And then that gives you that sense of purpose because you are there to help. And that's where it's like those skills come in. Like, yeah, we'll have the banter here. We'll have the good times. And that's that's the good thing is we got the camaraderie, everything else. But when it's go time, you see these guys jump into that action and that switch goes and you just see them right there. And they are... It makes you proud, right? You're right in that moment with them. So many times in my life, like I took my kids to Abbotsford to visit my mom and we're in this big park and the kids are playing in this play park and they were getting ready for a big swim meet. So they were up on top of the sea cans, kind of turning it into a announcing stage. And this guy walks off the sea can, backs right off of it. 
boom, eight feet down. You could almost hear the bone snap from where we were. And everybody's like rushing around, but nobody's doing anything. And my wife just looked at me and I didn't have to say a thing. She grabbed my kids, kind of pulled them to the side. And I went right over there and started doing what we do because we're firefighters, right? So until someone that's supposed to be there that has that higher level of care, it's us, right? And I'm like, you're calling and you're doing this and hold them still and move that away. And all those people are looking at me like, who's this guy? This guy doesn't work with us. He's not on our team, right? But of course, everyone still listen, right? You come with that level of authority in your voice that people are like, I'm going to do what this guy says, <laughs> right? So it all sounds like good ideas. <laughs> and so, you know, we finished it all up and it's a big city, right? So it, it just took minutes and, and the right people got there and took over. And, and I went walking back to the kids and my son, he's, he's, I knew you were going to do that. I knew it. I knew you'd run right over there. And my wife said, well, that's his job, right? And I was like, hey, that's cool. But everybody in my family kind of realized that that's the job and that's what we're going to do. So I get what you're saying for sure. No question about it. So we're going to circle back to Austin's comment. And and so one thing I, that always amazes me when I walk into Chestermere, into the fire halls, you kind of have one of everything for trucks. And then you have some crazy water rescue stuff that's going on. And you use every single vehicle and every single thing you have here to like, 10 times what it actually can do. You, you've just pushed it kind of past the limit. And so when I walked in here and I saw that sea do for example, right? So water rescue, you got a rigid inflatable down on the lift and then there's a rigid inflatable on the water rescue truck. And then there's this sea do And I'm a sea do guy. I've owned sea doos I know a lot about them, and but I've never seen one like this, right? And so this thing's got the rigid inflatable around the outside. You had the sled to pull behind it and uh, our surfboard or whatever you call it. And to me, it's always like, how can these firefighters know all of this stuff, right? It's kind of like Navy SEALs. Like, you've got to be ready for whatever we throw at you, and you have to switch gears that fast, right? Yesterday, the guys were in, and and they had three stacked medical calls, Mm. right? And they're just, like, handling it, moving from call to call. Other guys come in. Austin, you jumped in, I think, with... Brent and, and went to some of those calls and, and the whole time I'm in here with HR and we're having a meeting and it's just like, nobody's even worried. Like they'll just handle it and they'll move on. And no matter how bad it gets, you just know that you're going to handle it. Right. And so, you know, when you get here, I guess it's all about those skill sets and all about those trucks. So my next question is a little different, but I want to go through what truck is your favorite and what skill set that you have that you think is, and I know this is hard because everyone hates to brag about themselves, but I want you to like, you know, what's one thing that you really bring to the Chestermere Fire Service team that you're proud of, right? That you put extra effort into that you kind of, maybe you know more about it than other people or you work harder on that piece to kind of bring that Navy SEAL piece to life. And we're going to make the captain go first just because we can do that. Oh, yeah, that's fair. I knew it was coming. <laughs> like, so not to do the cop out, but it's just like, you know, good old faithful engine 116 would probably be the one. It's, it's the Maybe it's the comfort level with that one too, but it would be if for me sitting in that seat and operation-wise, you know where everything is in that seat. You know what to get, what resources, how do you have the CAD, where everything is on that truck. Not that you don't on the other ones. It's just the most commonly used one. So I think for that one would be like from where I'm sitting on that truck, what I'm expecting from the other guys and their comfort level, where the monitor is, where it's staging, where it's that truck that's setting up the rest of the scene. It's that truck that, you know, where you can call in the other resources, the pumping capabilities, where you can help out on everything else on that one. So it's this, I guess, so on that one too, it'd just be comfort of that one, using it all all the time, the front line on it. 
yeah. knowing, like you so said, too, it's command, like, right? Yeah, well, it's command, command, too, but it's being operational, right? Yeah. With little manpower, like you're talking with Paul, everything else. It's like, okay, it's good to get that scene set up. It's good to get those resources coming. Now it's you that has to pull that other line if you're going defensive, right? If that's your strategy or whatever you're doing, you know where those lines are to get going. Not that you don't on the other trucks, but that's one that's just a comfort where you can get that going efficiently and effectively on that truck. So that's yours. That's wow. what I would say on that. I feel like Austin's going to go with he keeps the tires the cleanest of any fire hall on the planet <laughs> Along with the toes of his boots. Josh is good at hitting curtains. Josh is good at hitting curtains. We're going to expand from that, Austin. So that okay. just goes. Okay. It's for right. granted that you already do that and you're the best at those two things. <laughs> what what else do you uh, – like what, what's your strong suit? What do you love about doing – I can't say I really do have a strong suit. It's just kind of generic, to be honest with you. I've kind of taken my fire career and I've kind of immersed myself into like different departments to get different experiences and how they do things. And Six Sika brings something, High River brings something, Spruce Meadows brings something. And I'm, I wear different hats in those different departments too. So I think collectively with the different calls and the geographical areas and all that stuff, I think all of it kind of encompasses and I just kind of bring that here. What would um, we call that? Maybe diversity of experience. There you go. I think oh, he's underselling himself well. big time on that. Yeah, he's uh, definitely knows a lot about the trucks was on it and from all the other departments. So he's kind of a go-to for if you need some information or something about it, he's definitely a resource of that. We had the gap just pumping you up, eh? Pumping your tires. Wow. Yeah. Right? I, I definitely I do. hope you got something for Jeremy and Josh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to get awkward here soon. Josh, Josh, I definitely have something for him. Oh. Sure. We have to cook dinner after, so I got to be This doesn't happen very often. That's not good. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely away. take it when I can. can. But I definitely have only we're live on air a keen now, so sense to detail. I definitely do have that, and that's just outside of the mothers and the tires and stuff like that. I do really well, like I'm, a nice I'm putting clean your truck. boot toes on on the internet. Everyone's <laughs> going to be like, "Okay, show it to us." So I'm taking <laughs> pictures of them. <laughs> it's that it's that prime professionalism piece, man. It's well dressed and it shows a lot. But what kind of service you're going to provide, depending on what when the truck shows up at your house, and it's just like it's dirty and stuff like that. And granted, I get probably like running a bunch of calls and stuff like that but like when it just shows like when you have a a nice clean truck and you know you got your outfitted and all that other stuff like it just goes to show like that's the kind of service you're gonna get jeremy we're gonna move to you and it's important that everyone understands you're the kitty man here at Chestermere fire because <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, there's other it's people that listen to this that are like <laughs> i'm the kitty guy too they'll like they'll message me and say hook me up with jeremy so we can start a group right should be like the Kitty Man Anonymous group, so you can all be together. You get everything for everyone, and you eat crap about it all day well, long. Well, we have four so open ketchups in there. Other right than now. that, yeah. that's we'll your superpower that, that you can get through that without choking these guys in their sleep. What uh, What do you try to – what's your thing? I mean, it goes back to the last kind of thing. I mean, you just have to be like a jack of all trades on, on most trucks, but I'm, like our frontline engine, we have to be pretty – pretty familiar with so i'd probably say engine or aerial area like i was here when aerial was delivered actually to the old hall it actually didn't even fit in our old hall and got delivered so it was nice got a new hall it was parked outside for a while (laughs) wow you got Um, guys like jasper that was well played (laughs) but uh, it's such a user-friendly truck that aerial and as soon as it got delivered we kind of just drilled it was just a nice truck to use we just all drilled on it for countless hours countless number of hours and it was just set in my head of how user-friendly and easy it was to use. So it kind of, I caught on pretty quick of how to use that. Yeah, I guess the kitty, I've been doing that for seven years or something now. And I don't think I've heard one. one. Thank you from everyone. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, that's not true. That's not true. I said thank you to you. Thank you for the first one, actually. Yeah. So thank you. That was, that was after I stole a dozen of your eggs for yeah, breakfast. Yeah. That's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> the eggs disappear. Uh, but no, it's a, it's, it's a good job. Like, it's, it's not a good job, but it's... it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> you keep the guys happy, you know. Even though stuff disappears off the shelves with no money going into it, and there's six mustards and four ketchups open in the fridge right now. And yeah. <laughs> uh oh, he's spiraling, yeah, folks. He's getting, right, getting in the back of the, the kitchen. Off. He's yeah. in the red. He's looking his lips. You know you're in trouble. I need a moment. Give me a second. Before he started the kitty stuff, he had a full head of hair. It goes from there to here. Yeah, Straight gray. So so sorry, buddy. Keep my head on for now. You might want to turn that over to Josh or something <laughs> one day. Yeah. All right, Josh, how about you? What, what do you love? What do you put extra into around here? For me, it's probably, uh, we do such a high volume of medical calls. I do some other medical stuff outside of the hall too. So I think that in terms of myself, it's, it's where I feel I, I have a strong point with that. And I think a lot of people that aren't in fire think that we just fight fires all the time, but most of our calls are medical calls in a large variety and capacity. And so I think getting really good at that is a large part of our job. And like Wes would always say, you know, we're, we're trying to paint the best picture. We're trying to provide the best care. And every time you show up, you need to almost imagine as your family member. So if you were showing up for your family member, would you be proud of this? Right? Are you the type of person that you'd be proud of uh, seeing it happen? So I think that focusing on that, it, it means that you have to train to the highest standard, put the time in, and be the best version of yourself when you show up to those people's homes. Jeez, for the second time, this show, eh? he's already, he's taking my job. This guy, he's very leadership by Josh. That's one thing. I like it. Yeah. Mustache. That's one thing I'll say about Josh. He's uh he's very well not only that, <laughs> but like very articulate and very well worded. I remember uh the first time we did a, a school tour oh. <laughs> and we were talking about, you know, fire safety and like stop, drop, and roll and call 901 and stuff like that. And we're all just standing in front of the gym and there's just kids for just miles across this gymnasium, like every firefighter would be lying and be like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Cap, what do you think? But no, Josh, without even hesitating. Oh, we just, threw him under the bus, though. We, we really threw him wow. under the bus. We're like, let's see how he does. Yeah, We're but here he, to help he out. Took it, he, he did. He took it and he slammed. <laughs> he did. I was, I was motivated by his speech to, like, these grade threes. Because, like, he, he just he stood up there and he just took it and ran with it. And he, like, just covered everything. And at the end of it, he had this, like, motivational speech of, like, you know, like, when you're growing up and... You want to do this? You want to do that? Like, encourage you to like be the best person of yourself, and this and that. And I'm just like, I'm just standing in the background, like, oh, Superman pose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. There's like four teachers. Like, I'm gonna go do better. This is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They kicked me into that same spot every good time. Stuff. I love yeah. that though. So, That's good. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. you know, there's the odd person that can just talk like that, right? There's a way to get you fired up there and, and going. Nice. Okay. So it's lightning round time here on the show. What that means is I get to pick whatever I want because I'm the host. So haha. And today we're going to pick a magic lamp, right? So we give the lamp a rub and today we're going to get four wishes. And so you each get one and you can't pick the same thing. 
All right? And you can't do stupid things like endless money and come on, Austin. I took yours already, I know. So things that you would use the wishes for can be anything for your fire service, the fire service in general. I wish the public was whatever. You can use the wishes for that as well. And so for this one, we're going to let Josh go first. One wish, eh? Yeah, one wish, man. A new kitty guy. Yeah. You basically follow that up with Josh could get a real mustache. (laughs) (laughs) You kid. Your wish is grand. It's one one wish, right? If you can wish for anything, I think it's having no limitations on your abilities to do your job. That'll never happen for the fire service, but we're always working towards that. And whether that limitation is manpower or equipment, whatever it is, if you if we could just do our job without the unnecessary obstacles that sometimes we have to overcome, then that would be awesome. Again, it's something that's probably we're always going to work towards, but I don't know if there's a fire service in the world that has ever gotten there without any any battles that they're fighting in terms of whether it be equipment or manpower or we're kind of so humble we'd never even yeah. admit it or we'd never even know if we got there right yeah so nice jeremy do you, you want to follow up you don't want to talk about all the switching to electric trucks or anything like that that's a given right? <laughs> yeah. well, that's, awesome. that's what austin wants do you He's need good. electric oh, trucks on a flat earth or can you just know yeah flintstone in everywhere just get me. I haven't really thought of one. Oh, wow. All right. Okay, Cap. Let's go. Yeah, mine's a little more like you want everyone, and it, it sounds kind of sappy, but you do want this. We have a younger generation of firefighters here for the most part is you want that physical and mental stability within them all, right? You want them to have a long, healthy career going forward, and you want them to be able to be happy coming into work, physically fit to go into work. We have these adverse calls. It's not just at work, it's at home too, right? So you want to make sure that everybody's capable of doing their jobs when they get into work and go, we work different hours. And this is something that I want to see over the, the years. That'll be my wish. It's just a long, healthy career. Nice. Well played. I play this game a lot. You guys are, those are some good answers. No pressure, Austin, but you're next. Man, I'm going to have to say ditto to Josh and Wes. That kind of encompasses everything. You guys blanketed it and hit it right on the head, right? Longevity, career, healthy, mentally, physically, and that's probably the best thing you could ask for. Wow. In fire service, for sure. Deep thinker, Jeremy, what do you got? Uh, he's in there. It's hard to like think of your own thing when guys are, like, you kind of want to branch off of what these guys are saying, but cardiac issues are one of the biggest killers of firefighters, and if you could do one thing to kind of fix that, whether it I don't know what it would be, but to, yeah, just to have like keep the longevity of firefighters' careers and their cardiovascular health, and I don't know. Yeah, just make, one of those make things it through that, all this, right? I think is like that's a big just, wish for all of you. Sounds like is you just hear about these young guys dying from cardiovascular things, cancers, you know, because like, you're exposed to all this bad stuff, and maybe more protection to protect you from these deadly diseases that you can get from this job. Because yeah. you're putting yourself in the line of this to help other people, but maybe to get something back to help yourself more to keep your career going as long as possible. Well played, guys. Well played. I play this game a lot, obviously, in the show. And, you know, lots of times we go straight to what kind of a new truck they want or equipment or whatever. I mean, you all picked the firefighter 
on a whole and say, how do we get through all this, right? So how do we beat PTSD? How do we beat cancer? How do we beat cardiac arrest down the road? How do we stay happy and healthy and, and get through this? And to me, it's always, we do that together, right? You know, we lean on each other for what we're doing. You know, we go to the gym and try and work out and we try to eat healthier and we talk about things that need to be talked about and, and we keep learning, keep training, keep doing all those things, right? So you guys hit all those nails on the head. But this time we're going to switch. So we're doing lightning round, round two, because Austin will answer this this time. I want to know favorite kind of truck and why. Out of all the apparatus we have, everything outside in, in the bay there, favorite kind of truck. And if you could buy the perfect truck, what that would look like. And we're starting with Austin because he sent me 400 texts since I started here of, <laughs> of trucks. So now you got to just pick one yeah. and tell us why. A big truck guy. Big truck guy. Wow. I've been doing some thinking. And after a book that you threw at me there, I'm a huge fan of a Quint. Oh, the tactical firefighter. The tactical firefighter. The boys will be Absolutely. happy to hear you say that. Yeah. You can do almost anything with the Quint. It has pumping capabilities, it carries water, you can put some rescue capabilities on it. You can use it as an engine, you can use it as an aerial, you can do rescue with it, you can do elevator master stream with it. Like the list goes on and on and on as to what you can do. And I think with a four or five man crew on a Quint, you can do some, some serious damage with that. A well-oiled machine, absolutely. Going back to that house fire, like there was four of us that night, we split two in two trucks and we still managed to get away with what we got away with so i think if you can combine those two trucks into one might have a winner there mm -hmm. nice all right let's just keep going around the horn Wes, you're next yeah not so much the quint same thing as like engine right i like the workhorse i like that truck that shows up jack of all trades kind of on it and it's just one of those trucks that i feel like here it has everything you need on it to if you're out on another call, you're able to go to another one if it comes in. So I guess that would be why I would like an engine. Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Yeah. That would be it, like right? It is like a Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't read that yet. Just without the ladder. Way. This, it just doesn't have the ladder on it. You got to pull a 35 off the back and do what it needs to do and pull a charge line up. So. Jeremy? Yeah, I'll have to say engine too, probably. I mean, we've, we've been riding that truck for so long now. You just kind of get an atta uh, attachment to it and, and become fluent with how it runs and where all the stuff is on it and its little quirks and all that kind of stuff. So that's our frontline engine. So I have to say probably that truck just because we're so used to riding in that one and, and that kind of being our front workhorse there, as, as Wes was saying. So Rescue, eh, Josh? Josh? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not our rescue, but, but another kind of rescue. Oh, for me, it's it's the aerial. Like when you're when you're driving the aerial, in rush hour and that is one of the most intimidating trucks you have the the cue siren just blaring what does that sound like austin yeah ah. <laughs> <laughs> cue siren the air horn it's massive it's a fun truck it's pretty impressive when you when you set it off you see its capabilities it's pretty as large. far as yeah i agree with you i, I, I may have wrecked a, a lawn in the day but you uh, fly <laughs> the aerial and it's pumping water yeah. if you're not impressed by that oh, i don't know what would impress you <laughs> yeah no no question about it all right, boys, that's the end. Uh, we made it to the end. So thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having a chat with me. Thanks for hanging out with me here at Chestermere. Uh, super proud to be working with you guys and uh, doing the things that we do here in the city of Chestermere. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.